Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View, and happy Bobby Bonilla Day, July 1st, every year until the year 2035 is Bobby Bonilla Day, and I'm sure all Mets fans are aware of that. We're going to start off the podcast with this. What are some of the worst contracts in recent memory for sports? Uh, the obvious one, even if it's not that bad, but Bonilla gets like, I think, one uh, close to around $1.3 million. $1.19 million. There you go. Uh, whatever. It's a byproduct of something that actually benefited the Mets organization. So if you don't know about Bobby Bonilla Day, he was a third baseman for the Mets. Actually had a couple of really good seasons in the bigs. Um, high RBI guy. Uh, he didn't really pan out when the Mets signed him. So in the year 2000, they deferred his contract. And that was what led them to having to pay him out. They could have either bought him out for like tens of millions of dollars back then. Uh, I think it was tens of millions. Or have these small payouts every year till what is what was negotiated as till 2035. So for the next 35 years, pay him uh, a little under $1.2 million on July 1st every year. So what happened in 2000 when they deferred Bobby Bonilla's contract, uh, with the available payroll, they traded for Mike Hampton, who ended up being the NLCS MVP for them that year when they went to the World Series and inevitably lost to the Yankees. Uh, but they traded for Mike Hampton, so he ended up being the NLCS MVP. That's a positive. Uh, Hampton eventually left in free agency, which back then, of course, was a negative. But when he left in free agency, the Mets got a compensatory draft pick. They got that. Uh, that pick ended up being David Wright. So all good things have really come out of Bobby Bonilla. You got your captain, David Wright, who had... Um, a long career for the Mets, should have been longer, but his back uh, just pretty much deteriorated into nothing. Went to one world, couple, uh, a couple playoff appearances. How many playoff appearances did David Wright get into? Two? Three? He got to the World Series, he got to the NLCS. That might have actually been it. The NLCS in 06 and then the World Series in 2015. I don't think the Mets... Because they had a couple of historic collapses in a row. Then they were bad for a while. And then they had the 2015 year. Yeah, so there you go. David Wright. Great Met. Um, well, was well on his way to being a Hall of Famer before the injuries pretty much just completely shut down his career rather quickly. Um, but he was great. Loved David Wright. And uh, Bobby Bonilla. There you go. little history on Bobby Bonilla Day. Happens every July 1st. Um, it was, it's kind of just like a running joke now. I, I think most Mets fans were like, is this the worst contract in sports history? I, I don't think so. One of the, another story that recently, a couple of days ago, I saw this on Twitter. That kind of lines up with Bobby Bonilla. Uh, Deron Williams, a former all-star point guard in the NBA, uh, former Jazz player, former Nets player, has not been in the league for 
I don't even know how many years now. I think the last time he was playing, he had a short stint with LeBron's Cavaliers. So, at least since 2018, um, he hasn't been there. Or 2017, he hasn't been there. He now is finally off the Brooklyn Nets payroll. I, I don't know what was, was going on there. Maybe he came back after after he was done with the Nets or, or something like that. Um, but apparently he's been paid $15,000 a day for the past five years. I think it was per day because that amounts to around like $27.5 million. Okay, so it wasn't every day. I misremembered. I apologize. Uh, his payday with the Nets ends today. His contract was stretched over the past five seasons at around five. Oh, actually, no, I was right. At around five point five million dollars per year. So he was paid around five and a half million dollars per year over the past five seasons. Uh, I guess because uh, his last game was the, with the Nets was on May first of twenty fifteen. They paid him. All right. So I don't know if that tweet's right. Because this tweet says the Nets have paid Deron Williams $5.5 million over the past five years. Anthony Puccio, beat writer and content creator covering the Brooklyn Nets. He says Deron Williams' payday with the Nets ends today. His contract was stretched over the past five seasons at around $5.5 million per year. Um, That's crazy. He retired. So he said he retired three years ago. So I guess that stint with the Cavs was his last go-around uh, back in 2017. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if that's considered a bad contract because Deron Williams was a, a stud for a long time, and I really don't know what happened to him. He's a very interesting player. Um, he was one of the best point guards in the league for like three or four years in a row, and then he kind of just like fell off. I, I don't know what happened with Deron Williams because um, I don't think he was that old. He's, he's 36 now. So he retired when he was 33 years old. Like, that's not it's not that old. He was only a three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. That's it, which is crazy. He was a All-Star once in Utah, and he was traded to New Jersey. And then, uh, again with New Jersey, tw- or twice with New Jersey, he was an All-Star when he was 26, 27 years old. Um... I mean, he was he was a good player. Like he'd get you. He averaged above more than eighteen points for seven straight years, seven straight seasons, and then he kind of just dropped off. Um, I guess the injuries started racking up because he, after twenty, when he turned twenty nine, he didn't play over seventy games again after he turned twenty nine. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I guess he started getting injured a lot. And that's, you know, a story as old as time. Just injuries racking up and you just can never really recover from them or repair your career from them. And it sucks. But yeah, Deron Williams, uh, a guy who just got his final paycheck from the Nets after not having played for them for five years. In my opinion, the worst, one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. In my in my lifetime, um, is Josh Smith his contract with the Detroit Pistons? He has not played a game for the Pistons. I mean, Deron Williams might actually uh, 
fall under this category as well. But Deron Williams was a much better player for the Nets. Um, but Josh Smith hasn't played a game for Detroit uh, since 2014. And he's owed $5.3 million per year after he brought out. Uh, after originally signing a four-year contract worth $54 million. Something that was... I was pretty shocked. I mean, Josh Smith is a good player. If you remember Josh Smith on the his time on the Hawks was great. He was a he was a very good basketball player. Uh he meshed really well with Al Horford, Joe Johnson, Jeff Teague, like that was that group of of Hawks players. And they were a fun team to watch. Uh I loved Joe Johnson. I loved Josh Smith. And Josh Smith is known, he's a small forward, power forward kind of hybrid guy. Um, he's a slasher, high flyer, uh, good finisher inside the paint. But as he got older, he started chucking up so many threes per game, and it was unsettling, to to say the least, because he's not a good he's he's not a good three point shooter, and he just kept shooting threes. He was an excellent defender also, by the way. Uh, But he tried to be something he's not, which was a three-point shooter. And he was out of the league, unfortunately, pretty quickly. Uh, He had been chucked around a lot in his final years. He was out of the league at at, um, 30 years old. He came in at 19, and he was out by 30. Uh, But you want to see here, his three-point attempts... Just keep going up and up and up. And he never shot over 33% in a season from three. And he shot, I mean, I know those numbers are a little, not skewed, but they're a whole season average. But sometimes you watch him and he shoots threes and you're like, why? Like, why would you shoot that? And that's like my most recent memories of, of Josh Smith. But if you want to filter those out, the good from him was... He's a good uh, defender, and he was uh, he can guard multiple positions, and he was a high flyer. Jumped out the building, um, posterized a lot of people. But I like Josh Smith when he was in his 20s, his, his mid-20s, he was good. Early to mid-20s, he was really good. And then he just started shooting way too much. <laughs> I kinda, he literally shot himself out of the league. Anyway, that's probably one of the, one of the worst contracts I've seen. In uh, in recent memory, but speaking of contracts, we have two signings that I want to talk about. Since we're on basketball, the first is J.R. Smith finally agreed to a contract terms with the Los Angeles Lakers. He just signed it today, according according to Woj. So that's really cool. J.R. Smith coming in to replace Avery Bradley, of course. And if you listen to my interview last week with Danny Green on last week's episode. He talked about how he wasn't sure what uh, Dwight Howard or Avery Bradley are going to do. Avery Bradley elected to opt out of the NBA restart. He has, I believe, a six-year-old son who has a history of respiratory uh, infections and just having like respiratory sickness. So he didn't want to risk that obviously going into the bubble and 
him possibly getting something, but then once his family's allowed to come, his son probably wouldn't even be allowed to, to come and see him. Uh, so he was just like, I'm not playing. Which, 100% understandable. Uh, can't fault him for thinking about his family, of course. Uh, but speaking of strictly of basketball, it didn't help the Lakers. Avery Bradley was a the guy they brought in who was a very good 3 and D player, much like Danny Green, uh, a little smaller. But his main purpose for the Lakers was to guard uh, the best guard on the court with him at the time. So usually it would be the point guard, but if it wasn't, if it had to be a shooting guard that was around his height, uh, someone like if Lillard was off the court and McCollum was on the court, Avery Bradley would guard McCollum. Or uh, like Donovan Mitchell doesn't traditionally play point guard, but they're around the same size. Avery Bradley's probably a little bit bigger than Donovan Mitchell. He would guard Donovan Mitchell. Things of that nature. That was Avery Bradley's main purpose. So with him gone, the Lakers need to go sign someone else. So they went and picked up LeBron's buddy, J.R. Smith, off the street, signed him to another contract, and now J.R. Smith is back in the NBA. Thank God. I love J.R. Smith. He's back with LeBron. Um, and J.R., he's been working out. He's in as much, bas- as, as much basketball shape as probably everyone else in the NBA is at this point just because quarantine happened. Um, and obviously if quarantine happening and all this happening is the only reason why the Lakers signed him. Uh, but it's not like he's going to come in and be at, in my opinion, be at a significant disadvantage, at least offensively, uh, because everyone's probably going to have to take a handful of games. Every team is going to have to take a handful of games to try and get their chemistry back, get back into that, um, high intensity, at playing atmosphere, and of course it's going to be different with no fans. Uh, but signing J.R. Smith, you don't lose. Uh, you probably it's it might be a little bit better of an upgrade offensively with J.R. Smith, but obviously you're losing a lot defensively. No knock on J.R., but he's not known for his defense. Avery Bradley is known for his defense, so you do lose something defensively there. Um, but not a, not a bad signing, a smart signing, and probably one that a lot of people saw coming with the Lakers and J.R. Smith. Other basketball news quickly I want to talk about also. Uh, the NBA 2K cover athletes were announced, and I just need to give my thoughts on this because I love NBA 2K, even though this year was almost a copy-and-paste version of last year and it has even more bullshit in it, and they really need to fix it. And I hope it's better next year. But the two NBA 2K cover athletes for the current consoles is Damian Lillard. Okay, fine. Just make Kobe the next-gen cover athlete. Uh, No, sorry. We're going to make it Zion Williamson, which, I mean, Zion was there like the on the PS5 reveal trailer for 2K. So, I mean, I guess people kind of expected that. But why? The guy, the kid has played in 19 games 19 or 20 games in the NBA and suddenly he's already the 2k cover athlete like I don't get I I just don't get it it's so (laughs) like no offense to Zion but it's so dumb like you have so many guys that 
deserve to be on the cover and deserve that like recognition. It's a small thing and it's a dumb thing, but it it's it's I, I don't know. I, I just I think it's stupid and I, I don't really know why. Everyone was clamoring for Kobe Bryant. Like that was the easy move. Just make Kobe the cover athlete of 2K21. Would have made a whole lot of sense. But for some reason, they decided to go a different route. Whatever. Um, another thing, I w- the last basketball thing I want to talk about. This is something that came up on the Bill Simmons podcast. Hosted by Bill Simmons, of course. CEO of The Ringer, former ESPN guy. All right, Bill Simmons says, In 2010, LeBron's first choice was the Knicks. But they had an absolute disaster of a first meeting. The Knicks front office and LeBron. It had to do with bringing in people from the Sopranos or some shit like that. I, it, it sounds ridiculous, but I can't... First of all, we're a decade removed from the decision with LeBron going to Miami, which is freaking insane that it's been a decade since that happened. <laughs> but... The, the idea that LeBron ever... Se- I, I, I can't believe it. The, the idea that LeBron ever seriously considered going to the Knicks is is such a, a farce. It, it makes... Like, he... In no, I really believe that he absolutely had no intentions of going to the Knicks, but he took the meeting because he was a free agent, and, you know, why not? It's New York, right? I don't think he ever seriously considered going to the Knicks. And Stephen A. Smith came on TV on his show, and he was he debunked the whole thing. And he's like, I reported a week before the decision that LeBron was going to Miami. I reported that. And it ended up being true, of course, because he had his sources, and they were right. Um, but this whole notion that the Knicks were LeBron's first choice, and then they blew it, was not true. The Knicks have not shown any capability of going out and signing big-name guys for a while. The last big-name guy they got was um, in free agency was Amari Stoudemire. And then, of course, they traded for Melo, and they had the best years, the best, like, three-year stretch they've ever had in their franchise for the past 20 years since, you know, the early 2000s, 2099, 2000, 2001-02. Since then, and that was in whatever it was, 2012, 2013, 2014, those were pretty good years for the Knicks. They made the playoffs. It was fun. Other than that, they have not shown any capability of being a good organization. You can blame it on James Dolan. You can blame it on the number of GMs they've had, other people in the front office, Whoever you want to blame it on. But I, I, the fact that people are saying, well, the Knicks could have had LeBron, but they screwed it up. I don't, they, they probably, they were never LeBron's first pick. He was always going to go, his number one pick was always to go to Miami, play with D Wade, and play with Chris, Bro- Chris Bosch, even though it was supposed to be Carmelo, but Carmelo took that contract with Denver. Didn't have the opt out clause in 2010 like the other guys. So instead, it was Chris Bosch. The media loves to paint the Knicks in this light where it's like everyone wants to go to New York. New York is the place to be. 
The Knicks are a great franchise. Madison Square Garden is like the best arena in the entire world. And while, while Madison Square Garden might be the most famous arena in the world and several superstars, you know, MJ, Kobe, LeBron, all the all those guys have, have said multiple times, MSG is my favorite place to play. They've all, they've said, all of them have said it before. Uh, they all loved playing in Madison Square Garden. As visitors, like, they, they love going there because it's an experience, right? It's like a treat. For Kobe, it was, tw- it was one, for Kobe, it was once a year. For LeBron, it was whatever, three, for LeBron and Jordan, for all those years in the East, it was like, what, three, four times, three years, three times a year they played in MSG? So it was like it was like a treat in the middle of the season, a chance to go to New York, go to the big city, right? Go to MSG, show off in front of the crowd, and get people hyped. Make make the opposing fans ooh and ah at the things you do on the basketball court. They don't want to. They never wanted to play there full time. That just it wasn't. It's not a thing that happens. Everyone knows that the Knicks are a really poorly run organization. And until I've said it before on this podcast, until James Dolan is gone, the Knicks will not sign anybody of note. And I was saying about the media, they love to paint the Knicks as this this place, this place that everyone wants to go to. And then when the Knicks don't end up signing anyone because no one actually wants to go there, they end up shitting all over the Knicks and saying they're a poorly run franchise and blah, 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 which they are. But the media, for some reason... Hasn't when when free agency hits and the draft hits and all this the 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 media has not given they they don't look at the Knicks the same way everyone else does as this franchise where okay free agency hits here's all these big time free agents the Knicks aren't gonna land any of those guys you think no offense to the Sacramento Kings but you think that the Sacramento Kings the media in Sacramento is pointing out for how the Kings can make runs at like guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie and all them. You think the Kings even have a shot? No, they don't. And it's not just the Kings. You can name three quarters of the league that are able to really court guys like a Kevin Durant or a LeBron or a Kyrie. Now, New York, of course, was one of the places that those guys went to. It just didn't happen to be the Knicks. It happened to be in Brooklyn. So those guys wanted to go to New York. They just didn't want to play for the Knicks. They wanted to play for the Nets because the Nets are a actually well-run organization. But the media loves painting the Knicks as this team that, like, even the ESPN Twitter account. ESPN! Their, their Twitter account, their verified Twitter account. When the Knicks, when the when the season was coming to an end last year, or or it was in the middle of the, maybe it was the All-Star break. Um, I forget what the time frame was. But they tweeted out a picture. They were like, this time next year. Oh, I think it was close to the draft. Maybe it was like, this time next year, the Knicks team could look a lot different with like the the eyes to the side emoji and it was a a photoshop picture of Kyrie Durant and Zion in Knicks uniforms the Knicks didn't get the number one pick so they didn't get Zion Williamson they got RJ Barrett which RJ I still think is going to be a very good player in my opinion I think he has the potential he was wildly inefficient this year but in his rookie year um but you know bad team a lot of pressure, young kid. I think he'll grow into it. I think he'll be fine. So they didn't get the number one pick. Oh, well, the Knicks missed out on Zion, right? That sucked. 
But we there. But the media is still painting this picture that KD and Kyrie want to go to the Knicks together. Like, are they going to make it work? Blah blah blah. Um, and then it comes out that Dolan said he didn't even they he didn't even want to offer them a contract, and he didn't. And then KD and Kyrie come out, and they're like, we had no intent. Like, I don't know where the media gets this stuff from, but we had no intentions of going to the Knicks. Never once did the Knicks cross our minds. <laughs> so you have the media running wild with these stories. And it, it's it's just, they didn't even consider it. And then all of a sudden, like, Knicks fans are like, oh, the Knicks are the, the worst, the worst. Which they are. They are the worst. They're a terrible organization. Um, but everyone gets so hyped up. Like, oh, we're going to get Katie. We're going to get Kyrie. No. No, no, you can't think like that anymore. You can't. And I think it goes the same all the way back a decade before with LeBron. Honestly, it was probably the same thing. KD and Kyrie, at least, said they were like, we never even, they didn't, I don't think they even took a meeting, right? They didn't even consider going to the Knicks. LeBron at least took the meeting. So that gave some some hope and some optimism that he would consider coming to New York. Although I think he's also said, I think he's also on record saying that uh, he wasn't going to go to the Knicks. I'm pretty sure he said that before, even though he loves playing in MSG. Anyway, Bill Simmons stirring the pot again for some... I didn't listen to the episode. This is just everything that's been reported. Bill Simmons said this on his podcast. For whatever reason, he's talking about 2010, LeBron going to the Knicks, and probably, I assume, what would happen? What would be the franchise? What would the franchise be like now? Who would... All this, blah, blah, blah. Max Kellerman pointed out also that the Knicks could be in an entirely different situation if they just cut Pat Riley in. So he went to Miami and became part of Miami's front office. And guess what happened there? So could that have been what the... Could he have turned the Knicks around like he turned Miami around? Could that have been the Knicks? Certainly possible. But again, James Dolan still attached. I don't think that happens. The other contract I wanted to talk about. Cam Newton, former MVP, signs with a one-year deal, I think it was $4 million, with the New England Patriots. And this is something that I said could happen. I I wanted I kind of wanted it to happen. I know one of my friends specifically said uh Cam Newton doesn't really fit into the Patriot way and Belichick's way. And yet here he is, signed to the Patriots uh, on a, a bargain, like a, a fire sale of a deal. Bargain you got him for. A former MVP just sitting on his couch. Well, not literally sitting on his couch. Uh, Cam Newton's been posting a lot of his workouts and how he looks. And he's in obviously great shape. He's built like a, a superhuman. Um but he is now signed with the Patriots. And in my opinion, I think it's his job to lose. Who were who was the the guy who that was that was coming in to this season projected to be the starter? Was it Jared Stidham or someone else? Like, you don't I'm not knocking Jared Stidham. Um, I mean, the one glimpse we really got to see him play was when it was uh, a blowout Patriots-Jets game. The Patriots were slaughtering New York, and Brady went to sit out, 
Jared Stidham came in and threw a pick six, like, immediately. And uh, Brady said, that sucks, um, <laughs> and checked himself back into the game. So not a great first impression for Patriots fans and for uh, just people watching football. It doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence when you come in and immediately, you th- on the first drive you're in, you throw a pick six, and then Tom Brady literally benches you. But that was the guy that was looking like, no, he could be a talented guy. And I saw Patriots Twitter just swearing up and down by him that he was going to be a good quarterback this year, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's probably Cam Newton's job to lose. And I don't think it's like a slap in the face to Stidham saying they don't, you know, they don't trust him or they don't think he's good enough to play for them or anything like that. I don't think that's what Belichick or the front office thinks about Stidham at all. Um, it might be, but I <laughs> I don't think it is. But when you have, there's, there's so many teams that should have signed Cam Newton, right? The Jaguars could have signed him, but they went with Gardner Minshew. They traded Nick Foles. The Bears, another team, could have signed Cam Newton, um, but they have Trubisky, and then they went and traded for Nick Foles anyway. So now Trubisky's ass is in the hot seat, and if he messes up for, I'll call it, if the Bears start off in their first, we'll call it their first five games, if they aren't, if they are 500 or worse in their first five games, Trubisky is, you can't be 500 in your first five games. But let's say they go, if he's 3-2, and two, I think Trubisky stays in. If they're 2-3, and three, I think Trubisky's out in their first five games. If they're under 500 in their first five games, I think Trubisky gets the boot, Nick Foles comes in. That's a different story, I digress. But the Bears could have signed Cam Newton it would have been, instead of trading for Nick Foles and his dog shit of a contract, which I immediately knew was not going to be any good because Nick Foles, while he'll forever be known as a playoff, uh, having one of the greatest playoff runs of any quarterback ever and beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl and leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl, he's a Philadelphia legend. Of course, they should erect a statue of him, blah, 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 all that stuff. I understand all that, but Nick Foles has never had, aside from that one season with the Eagles that he literally made his entire career on until he wanted to retire and then came back to Philadelphia, that one season where he had whatever it was, three interceptions and like 25 touchdowns or whatever, really, really good season. Aside from that one, he's been very, very, very mediocre, and that's a nice way of putting it as a starting quarterback. Not terrible, but not worth any of the starting quarterback money he's ever gotten. And that's why he pretty much got played out of the league. He was he was pretty much done for a while. He said he wanted to retire. He was upset, sad, whatever. The Eagles brought him back as a backup to Carson Wentz. And, of course, he ended up getting this miracle run um, with the Eagles. The Browns actually wanted to trade... For him, for the Eagles, and the Eagles, because they came off that Super Bowl win, point blank asked them, and he didn't have a no trade con, uh, no trade clause, right? And the Eagles just asked him, "Do you want us to trade you to the Browns?" And he was like, "No, I'd rather stay here." And they were like, "Okay, decline." 
and he stayed there for another year. Almost had another crazy Super Bowl uh, playoff run. Uh, he won one game in the playoffs after Wentz got hurt again, and uh, and then they lost. But still a good performance for Nick Foles. I think he had a little bit more regular season games than the than the Super Bowl run. Uh, but it was enough that he became a free agent, and the Jaguars offered him this big contract to come and be their starting quarterback. Breaks his collarbone, Reek one, and uh, Minshew mania begins. Again, I'm digressing, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, the Jaguars probably could have signed Cam Newton on that bargain deal uh, instead of having Minshew there, but they decided to go with Gardner Minshew, their young quarterback, who despite getting off to a hot start, kind of struggled afterwards. Uh, and then he got benched, and then they got he got reinserted to the lineup, I think. A uh, whole big thing. So the Bears took on that disgusting contract. Jaguars, Bears could have signed him. Uh, the Chargers could have signed him. San Diego, or excuse me, Los Angeles. I keep saying San Diego, even to this day. Um, that probably won't change for a while still. But they, they have, I, I guess, the Chargers are um, hell-bent on having Tyrod Taylor be their starter until Justin Herbert is ready, when they could have had Cam Newton be their starter until Justin Herbert is ready. Like, I get you just drafted him. You want Herbert to be your starting QB of the future. You want to give him, like, a little bit of a, a segue into into the NFL and have a veteran start for him a little bit, fine. Um, but I, I think Cam Newton would have been a better fit than Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Miami could have signed Cam Newton. Uh, I know they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick's probably going to go in to the beginning of the season and take a beating before Tua is ready. Um, but Tua, of course, another situation where we're, strict, we're strictly talking about the value that the Patriots got him from, right? It was like a one-year, $4 million contract. All these teams could have sprung for that. The Jags, Bears, Chargers, uh, Dolphins, even to an extent. Again, I know they have Brian Fitzpatrick, who is a very suitable backup quarterback. Uh, the Colts are another team. Could have signed Cam Newton. Instead, they decided to sign a Phillip Rivers, who was just freaking awesome awful last year. He was he was really bad. I love Philip Rivers, but goddamn, he was he did not have a good season last year. He threw so I, there the amount of times where I saw that guy <laughs> like like the running joke is is Philip Rivers is down late in the fourth quarter. What he, uh, Philip Rivers throws an interception down late in the fourth quarter. Like that is it, it's become a running joke with him. And last year, it was really just, like, painful to watch. There were, I don't even know if I can count on one hand how many how many games there were where the Chargers were down a, a touchdown or a field goal and Rivers had to drive them down the field and then he, he'd throw an interception. It happened a lot, a lot. And he threw, he had multiple games where he threw multiple interceptions. So, for me, I thought, it was the end of, of Phil Rivers. I thought that last year would, would be it. Um, everyone knew it was his last year. 
in California with the Chargers, San Diego slash Los Angeles. Everyone knew that it was his last year there. So it wasn't a surprise when they didn't re-sign him. And it wasn't a surprise when they drafted Justin Herbert, obviously. Uh, but the Colts signing him to a one-year deal for whatever it was, $25 million. Okay, I guess you take a flyer on him, but you could take you could have taken a flyer on Cam Newton, who is, you know, seven years Hell's Rivers now, 37, 38, seven, eight years younger, Cam Newton is. Uh bigger, faster, stronger than Phillip Rivers. And you say, oh, well, Phillip Rivers can, you know, he's a better, he throws the ball better than Cam. Are you sure about that, though? Like, does he? Does he? Based on last year? Like, I know Cam has had his problems. He's been injury. And I, I can't even, not in injury prone, but he's been injured for the past, like, year and a half. Uh, so it's been tough for him, and his play has definitely regressed. Uh, but his, I mean, he's only 30. And he's he's a big dude. Is he going to run as much as he used to? He shouldn't. Can he? Yes. Uh, and I think in the right system, now he's with the Patriots, so I think in this system specifically, uh, Cam Newton's going to get, he's going to get some, uh, he, I think he's going to have a great year. I do. I do. I think it's going to be a comeback. I think he's going to, at the end of it all, Ideally, because I love Cam Newton. I, I always thought he was a beast. Um, at the end of the year, ideally for Cam Newton, he's going to be able to point at everyone and say, I told you. Told you. And the biggest uh, smack in the face to the Panthers would be if he has a better year than Teddy Bridgewater. That would be great. Um I personally think the Panthers should have just stuck by Cam, but they I think they really did him dirty. I, I, I think they just handled it really poorly. But Cam Newton now on the New England Patriots. Um, who would have thought? I did. So that's going to be... The Patriots suddenly went from a team to kind of just forget about because Tom Brady wasn't there anymore and, and they were probably just going to have a very up-and-down year at the best this year, suddenly now, in my opinion, go to AFC East contenders again. I, I thought going into this year with the whole quarterback situation, um, the Jets are the Jets. I, I don't trust Adam Gase to run that team efficiently at all. Uh, the Dolphins are still kind of rebuilding, and they have the Ryan Fitzpatrick fill in until Tua is kind of ready dilemma going on with them. Although I do think Tua could be good in the NFL. His injuries from Alabama, they do scare me. I'd be lying if I said they didn't. And the Bills, I thought were just, honestly, I thought the Bills, based on what they did last year, I thought they'd run away with the division. Uh, with Brady and the Patriots not there anymore, I kind of thought that the Bills just had a wide open path to repeat what they did last year. Their defense, of course, still very good. Josh Allen is a beast. He needs to learn how to throw the football more efficiently. But other than that, he's he's a pretty he's a sick athlete. I mean, he's he's very athletic and fun to watch. He just needs to throw the football a little bit better. But regardless of that, 
I thought it was the Bills' division to lose. Now Cam Newton gets thrown, a healthy, strong Cam Newton gets thrown into the mix with the Patriots, and the Patriots have a, you know, they have, they still have Sonny Michelle, James White, Edelman, that's amazing defense, is still there. So Cam, not bad, right? Not a bad situation. You have Belichick, of course, so not a bad situation if you're Cam Newton to get thrown into. Uh, probably the best situation, honestly, because if you're choosing all these teams that passed on you, okay, all whatever, the, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Chargers, the Colts, all these teams, these teams that I mentioned, all passed on you. All right, fine. The Patriots picked you up. Suddenly you're on, uh, you're in part of one of the best organizations, if not the best organization in the entire NFL. Awesome. It's a win-win for you, right? You can come in, prove everyone wrong, and also compete. Whereas in the other ones, you can come in, prove you're still playing really well, but the team just might not be ready for a, a, a playoff push. And nothing happens. This is your you're in. If you prove you can play, the team's gonna win. The only thing I can see the haters pointing out with this signing is saying, like, oh, Cam Newton is what they did with Brady last year, even though Tom Brady is Tom Brady, where they say, Oh, the defense is carrying him. He's still not that good. He's he still can't throw the football. He can't do this, blah, blah, blah. The defense is carrying him. Ugh. I don't think that'll be the case. No one said, I mean, obviously he had an MVP year in Carolina when the defense was the best defense in the league. Also, that Carolina team was amazing, but no, I was, a little, again, different circumstances, but no one was saying it back then. I don't think they'll say it now. Cam is a beast, and when he's on, he's one of the best quarterbacks in football when he's at his, at his peak. I don't think he'll get back to MVP level, uh, but I, he'll certainly be able to prove a lot of people wrong this year. And... To wrap it up, or before we wrap it up, I should say, uh, some baseball news, a little bit of baseball news for the Yankees. Uh, they are planning to face off against the Nationals in the opener. I don't know if it's going to be a home opener yet at Yankee Stadium or on the road, but opening day, they will be playing the Nationals. So projected Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer. However, the rotation is up in the air because you might want to try and fix your rotation so your best pitchers are going against divisional games. Out of divisional games are the only ones that matter in this 60 game season. It's the other ones are just like whatever, you know. Yes, obviously they help and you need to win them, but of course the divisional games are much 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 more important. Um, winning the division now more than any other year is of the utmost utmost importance because you have no control over what's going on with the wild card. You need you need to win the division if you don't want to have to worry about the play. If you don't win the division, your chances of making the playoffs are so so slim. Then so it's really important to win the division. So you might want to. I, I don't really necessarily know if if Cole should be the opening day starter. Um, but they released a, a handful of the schedules. You can go and look it up. Um, but baseball is making its comeback. Um, a couple of the things I mentioned, I think, uh, I think, actually, I think it was last week. I mentioned Aaron Judge was still recovering from an injury, uh, and he was kind of up in the air for the original spring training. 
Brian Cashman says, Judge, James Paxson, and Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks got Tommy John surgery, and uh, now, because of this delay, he should have he should be ready to go. This was supposed to be around the time. The All-Star break is around this time of year. Um, so, he was supposed to come back around this time. So now, he'll be ready, or he should be ready for the start of of the regular season. Judge, Paxson, and Hicks should all be good to go for the start of the regular season. And Stanton, who had a grade one calf strain back in February, he had a grade one calf strain. Um, his He's still questionable for how for opening day with a grade one calf strain. Uh, Cashman said he'll probably be able to DH to start the season, but as far as playing in the outfield every day, he's not sure yet. Uh, this for, so far the Stanton signing has really, I mean, the trade wasn't really signing; it was a trade. Um, but the trade has not. I mean, we gave him up for pretty much nothing. But when he's healthy, he's super talented. It's just that he hasn't been healthy at all for the Yankees, like at all. So I don't know what's up with that, but. Cashman says they should all be ready to go. Uh, at 100% or close to 100% other than Stanton, who I don't know what he's operating at. Um, but if, if he can at least DH, then that helps, I guess. Um, there's still the Andujar, um, Urshela situation. I don't know what's going on with that. Obviously, Sanchez is behind the plate. LeMahieu, because, uh, Gregorius is gone. So LeMahieu is going to be the second baseman, uh, Glaber Torres is going to move over to shortstop, which is what he is originally a shortstop, and he moved to second base because we had Didi. So he's getting shifted over back to shortstop. Urshela's got to be the third baseman just because he's like a gold glove caliber third baseman. Uh, I guess Gardner, Gardner is back, right? So I guess Gardner is going to be in left. Hicks in center, judge in right. First base is still up in the air. Uh, Luke Voigt was the first baseman. Throughout the regular season. And he was pretty good offensively. But, you know, could use some work defensively. Um, And Duhar, I think, was taking reps at first base. And also in left field. So if Anduhar can be converted into a left fielder, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would actually be great if he can be converted into a left fielder. That would be really, really, really great. Uh, because then he can play every day because his bat is lethal. And I would really love to have him back in the lineup. Of course, he was injured uh, all of last year and he didn't play. Um, but in 2018, he was a stud. I mean, he was. I think he should have won Rookie of the Year. Um, or he should have came at least in second. Him and Gleyber Torres, one of them should have won Rookie of the Year, not Shohei Otani. Anyway, that's a little bit of a baseball update. I'm very excited for that to start. But that will wrap it up for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all very, very much for listening. As always, have a very safe and fun 4th of July on Saturday. Safe weekend all around. And I will talk to you all next Wednesday. Yo, what you telling me? What you telling me? Yeah. I got stacks to the right of me. I got Mikey to the left of me, huh? Wait.